0: Hey, you've all been friendly. Good job. That's great to see that. Let's go ahead and, and let's not overdo it, okay? <laughs> you can't overdo it, be friendly, right? But let's go ahead and take our seats, if you would. Uh, so a few weeks ago, Paul mentioned uh, that I've taken up watercolor painting, and I just am loving it, trying something new. And uh, I-, I just found myself saying for years and years and years, someday... I would like to do watercolor painting. I got tired of saying someday and decided it was the day. And so I began doing that. And in trying that, not only am I trying to learn the painting techniques, how to do it, I also am trying to learn about the supplies that go into it. And you know, every hobby has its toys, I mean tools, right? (laughs) They're really toys. But every hobby has them. And as I've researched, you know, trying to learn what the differences are of the paper and Good papers are acid-free and archival. And, and why is that? So that they'll last. And then good paints, good quality paints, have a light fastness rating to them so that when they're exposed to light, the better paints will last longer. And, and I don't really care if my paintings last for 100 years uh, that's, but that's not the point. The point is is that whatever we do, uh, whatever effort we put into something of our creativity, our time, our talents, we, we want it to last. We don't want it just to be tossed away and dismissed. And there's a sense that we, what we care for should endure, that it should be preserved. As a society, we treasure our spiritual lives. I mean, excuse me, we treasure our great documents and art masterpieces and architecture and strive to preserve them for generations to come. And so it should be for our spiritual lives. We want to preserve our spiritual gains in order to persevere in our faith. And so today we're finishing the series that we've been calling Keys to Spiritual Growth. And as we make strides in our growth, we want to maintain that. We want to advance that, advance our growth. And there are a few things that are are really more discouraging um, than reaching some goal and accomplishment only to lose ground and go backwards, huh? That's just so deflating, and we don't want to do that. We want to secure and preserve the growth that we take. And so the keys that we've looked at over the last few weeks were first off, surrender, surrendering to Christ. Then acceptance, I have to accept that I'm broken and come to Christ. Confession, that I come out of hiding. Next, ownership, that I have to own and participate in my growth. Last week was forgiveness, to be free from the weight of unforgiveness. And today we're looking at this idea of perseverance. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much as we look to this idea of perseverance. God, what you do in us, you want to last. And God, we want it to last. We want to get to the end of our lives. And hear you say, well done. Help us, Lord, to live our lives in such a way that we don't flame out or, or give up but that we make it to the end, becoming more and more like you. Speak to us. We just open our hearts to you right now, Holy Spirit, to speak to us on what steps we might need to take in order to persevere in this faith we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I don't know about you, but I think the word perseverance sounds a little bit painful. Uh, A bit like, hold on till Jesus comes. Hang in there. Grin and bear it. You can do it. It just sort of feels like that. In fact, a bit like this picture. I've I've had a poster growing up, not this one, but a poster of a cat hanging like that. And look at that fear and that that, just that, ah, you know, just every ounce trying to hold on to that. And and sometimes life feels that way, doesn't it? We're hanging on with every ounce that we can muster up of strength to to make it through. And sometimes we just feel like we want to throw our arms up in the air and just give up. And clearly there's a reality that life has its difficulties. But God wants more for us. Now, I'm not talking about the happy, slappy, sort of skipping through fields of flowers with rainbows and unicorn happy. That's not what God's telling us that our life should be. I'm talking about a life, though, that continues from day to day, one day to the next, with a deep purpose and joy. Jesus promised us a satisfying life, an abundant life for those who follow him, for those who develop a friendship with him. So when we persevere, it's less about hanging in there and more about faithfulness and purpose and determination. That's a much more victorious and powerful way of looking at at this word, this idea. The writer of Hebrews says this, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Now we're going to be coming back to this verse all throughout this morning, and and so this is our core passage today that we're going to be looking at at looking at. And so the first thing we see from this in order to persevere we have to see Jesus. It all begins there. It begins with this confident trust in the Lord. Now I have no desire to get to the end of my life and discover that it was based on empty values or philosophies. We can have a confident trust in the Lord. A confident trust in the Lord that orients our lives and our purposes and every choice that we make. The Apostle Paul also wrote this, that God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And what we see there is that we have been saved and called to live a life differently than before. We've been saved for a purpose, and it's Christ who illuminates the way. On our own, we can't see it because we're we're lost. But Jesus came to set us free, to make the path clear. And he proved what he came to say by breaking the power of death. Now, I don't know about you, but I get distracted at times. Do you ever get that way? And, uh, and I lose sight of what my purpose is sometimes. I get sort of, uh, you know, distracted. And when I lose sight of what I want to do and what I intend to do, that's when that happens, I just get messed up. When I forget to keep my eyes on Jesus or begin to prefer other purposes over him, that's when I stumble. That's when I mess up. I begin to doubt, and I wander into confusion. And as I said, life gets difficult at times, and it causes us to to focus on the wrong things, and it causes us to get discouraged and distracted. And when I'm not keeping Jesus clearly in my view, then I mess up. In Hebrews chapter 11, the next chapter, the writer lists all of these people of the Bible who lived lives of faith and perseverance. They each demonstrated a determination in the face of overwhelming odds. And tucked into the middle of this is a statement about Moses. It says he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. The writer then goes on to say to us, Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Look at that. He initiates and perfects our faith. I want to keep on going. I want for all of us to to persevere, no matter what is stacked against us. And the only way that we can do that is to see Jesus, to keep our eyes on Jesus. And in order to persevere, we also have to keep the goal in mind. Remember our passage? It says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will, then you will receive all that God has promised. Remember the great reward, the promises of God. Now just before this, the writer writes this, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and you were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Again, life is going to have difficult moments, isn't it? And sometimes it's just because. Just because it's life. Life has difficult times. And sometimes it's because of direct opposition to our faith. But what can keep us going, no matter what the source is or the reason why, what can keep us going is knowing what is waiting for us. We have to play that long game. We have to realize that all good things take time to develop. And we're given so many promises from God, which we'll receive in eternity. But there's also so many promises for this life. And just a few of those promises are things like comfort and peace and every spiritual blessing and freedom from sin, an abundant life, a satisfying life, to supply all of our needs. And then this one that sums it all up, and I am certain that God, who began a good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now, why is this so important, keeping the prize, keeping the reward in mind? Because if we focus on what we're working toward, then we can make better decisions. If I know what I have said yes to, then it's easier to filter out what I should say no to. Even if I'm saying no to some really good things, but they're not the best things. And if I have said yes to Jesus, and this is what he's calling me to do in my life, then sometimes I have to say no in order to not get distracted or caught off on some side pathways. We're in the midst of graduation season, and a lot of, lot of uh, our church young people are graduating from college, and a little bit later in a few weeks from high school. And, and in fact, that's why Paul's not here today. His son is graduating from college down south. My daughter graduated yesterday. A lot of, yesterday, a lot of others, or earlier this week rather, a lot of others have graduated this week as well. And it's, it's an exciting time. But that diploma was a goal that they set out for. A diploma opens, and graduation opens doors of opportunity. And and a wise student will focus on that. I need to get to the end. I want to accomplish that goal of graduation. And so when they're faced with homework or parties, when they're faced with projects or whatever distractions come their way, a wise student will say, I need to focus on the goal. I need to finish well. And that's, that's... what they're they're working towards. And we all have short-term goals like that that help us. When we know what the goal is, we filter out and know what we need to let go of. One of the keys we looked at the other week was this idea of ownership, that we need to own our part of our spiritual growth, a part that requires us to to make choices that, that live out the commitments that we've made. And why? Because the result of a life in And a life like Jesus Christ is our goal. And we can flourish in that when we choose that. Now, the decisions we have to come to in order to make this happen is is we have to ask ourselves, do we trust God to deliver on his promises? That's a key right there. And I mean, that's what, what, uh, what Guy was alluding to when he talked about risking our hearts. But it's not really that much of a risk. Do we trust God? to deliver the promises. The second question we have to ask ourselves and come to in our decision process is, do we value the promises themselves as worthy enough? You know, a lot of us think maybe we don't care about those promises. And and until we understand that the promises are really valuable, we're not going to make temporary sacrifices to get there, are we? But the promises of God are real, and the promises of God are worth it. And Jesus is trustworthy to accomplish them in our lives. I I watch Survivor. Anybody else here watch Survivor from time to time? It's a unique show, and it amazes me what people will do for a million dollars. The the sacrifices that the, I mean they'll starve for a month over a month on some remote island and play with total strangers in just crazy ways for a million dollars. But even along the way, as they're starving and they, and, and this re- short term reward of a peanut butter sandwich is offered them, what they'll do for a peanut butter sandwich is just crazy. And the rewards that God offers us are so much greater than a million dollars, definitely greater than a peanut butter sandwich, right? we've been given victory over death. We have been given forgiveness of sin, the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life of freedom and purpose, free from guilt and shame. And when it's all done, in eternity, we'll live with him forever, free from pain and suffering as well. Keep the prize. Keep the goal. Keep the rewards in mind and let all the distractions fall to the side. Next, in order to persevere, we have to preserve our gains. Preserve our gains. Every step of spiritual growth should be cherished and guarded and protected. Jesus described our faith and freedom and relationship with God as a great treasure a pearl of great price. These are things that were guarded and protected and cherished and set apart. And in fact, that's what holy actually means, to be set apart. And so as we begin a life devoted to to a growing relationship with God in Christ, as we make gains in becoming more like him, as we grow spiritually and in our level of trust in him, we need to preserve it. We need to take steps to protect it so that we will make it to the end of our lives. Make it to the end, having lived well the way God intends for us to live. So how do we preserve our spiritual growth in order to persevere or to continue in our faith? Again, as our core passage says today, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Now I see a couple things there. The first is is don't throw it away. It's not disposable. It is a beautiful thing that should be cherished. Don't cast it off. But the next I see that patient endurance is what we need now to continue his will, to do what he's called us to do which says to me, don't get ahead of yourselves. We expect too much too soon sometimes in our lives. And then we flame out. We get overwhelmed. I'm kind of reminded of the Christmas claymation show, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Anybody remember that, where the winter wizard has lost his magic, and so he has to learn to walk again? And he's told to just put one foot in front of the other. Any of you remember that song? It's one of those worm songs that gets stuck in my head. You know, of course, you hear it every year for your entire life, you know. And so, but it's it's a true principle. You can't learn to run until you've learned to walk. Baby steps. Just start with one step at a time. Don't get ahead of yourselves. Little choices each day that may seem insignificant but when they're stacked upon each other over the course of a life, builds character. Paul writes this, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, on the flip side, it says temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And in both of these passages, we see that there is a progression. There are steps. There are choices that are made. We don't just wake up one day and say we're going to do this horrific thing that we would never have considered before. There have been choices along the way that led us there at that point when we're finally willing to give in and do that. And there have also been little steps along the way that that help us to, to become like Christ. We don't just wake up one day and declare, okay, I'm perfectly godly now. I'm mature in Christ. No, there's little steps along the way that build the character in our lives. And we need to develop habits or what is called spiritual disciplines that will create and preserve the growth and gains that God is working in us. Think of it like gardening. We have to manage this process of removing and adding in our lives. Remove the rocks and the weeds. Add the fertilizer and the water. And and not just once. It's a continual process, isn't it? Of caring and cherishing and preserving. Pruning needs to happen sometimes. We need to cut some things away. And sometimes we need to add perhaps bees or other plants that help the garden grow and flourish together in a symbiotic relationship. It's just like the church. We're not on a solo journey. We have to add people into our lives as well. And the Bible is full of language that says things like, put to death the sinful nature. Take off or put off sinful desires. Keep away from. That's the remove. But there's also as much or more language that says things like, put on the armor of God. Clothe yourself in righteousness. And uh, draw near to God. So Some of these habits include things like praying and studying and worship and service and fellowship and a lot more. And and that's why we encourage life groups and life mission so much at Mariners because that's part of the process that God is calling us to, where we spur each other on to good works, as the writer of Hebrews says. We need to cultivate and preserve our growth with others in this thing we call church, the family of God. But it is this process of habits and spiritual disciplines that really trips a lot of people up. To some on the outside or those who are just kind of investigating what God is doing and wants for them, it it could appear that God or the church are just asking way too much. Why can't you just let me be? Why must you always be trying to get me to do something? Why can't you just accept me? And they feel like the rest of the world accepts them just as they are with no strings attached. But I'm here to tell you that 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 is a counterfeit, unconditional love that demands nothing. And it leaves us wallowing in our weaknesses, trying to, to make us feel good for failure and giving us no incentive, no hope for something better. But God's version of love And acceptance is unconditional, and it takes us as we are. He sees us wherever we are at, and he meets us right where we are at. But he doesn't want to leave us there. He loves us so much, too much, to leave us there. He wants us to accomplish and discover a life in him and what that entails and what we can become in him. And and God has this incredible ability to help us see who we really are, sinful and broken, but not in a way that makes us feel bad about ourselves, not in a way where we just beat ourselves up all the time, instead in a way that says you are this way, but I have set you free from guilt and shame about it. Become who you are in victory in Christ and freedom in Christ. He gives us incentive and the power of the Holy Spirit to become more like him. Now the other way this spiritual disciplines or habits trip us up is that we begin to strip God out of the equation altogether. We move from relationship to religion. And this idea of piety and holiness become this goal instead of a beautiful relationship with Jesus. We get really good at tasks and habits, and we get really lousy, at love and passion and relationship. Which brings me back to the first part of preserving our faith, and that is seeing Jesus. Remember this, let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It is Jesus who initiates our faith, But it is also Jesus who perfects our faith. You see, the habits of preserving our growth, of protecting it, if we are not careful, can become badges of self-effort. I'm really good at being holy. I'm a good Christian. And we take the credit. So the area that we need to guard and protect the most is our heart. To cultivate a heart that is tender towards God. Jesus talks of this idea of abiding, remaining in him in relationship like a vine with a branch to be connected to him. And as we, as we think about what type of relationship with, what we want with God, are we protecting it and cherishing it and remaining in him, keeping our hearts fully devoted to him? We're going to close in prayer in just a few moments, and I want to ask the worship team to come on up here. And as they do that, I want each of us to consider our next steps. What is it that you need to do to further your spiritual growth? How will you ensure that you persevere to the end? For some, it's just starting by seeing Jesus. Let him into your life to give you that incredible gift of salvation and freedom from sin. Yes, there is a surrendering that needs to happen. Yes, there are choices throughout the course of your life that you will need to make as you say yes to Jesus to say no to some other things. But the rewards are worth it. And Jesus is trustworthy to make good on the promises that he has offered us. For others of us, it's to value the promises of God more than the distractions around us. To focus our mind on the goal, on the prize, on those rewards, and and realize that they are valuable, so valuable that temporary sacrifices become less important to us. Again, Jesus is trustworthy to deliver on those promises. Now, I suspect that most of us in this room, if there's a step to be made, it's this one. It's on that final step of preserving and cherishing and guarding your heart. Develop habits that will purposely remove things in your lives that trip you up and keep you from the fullness of God that he wants for you. But equally important, put on habits that will, that will encourage a thriving and intimate relationship with God. Guard against that self-effort trap of those habits as well and see Jesus as the perfecter of your faith. Whatever step that you take today, Whatever choice that you are considering making as the Holy Spirit prompts you today, I encourage you to do something with it. Take an action step, a real step. Mark it on your next step card and let us know. Come and talk to me or somebody else, somebody in your life group perhaps. The point is, is don't leave it hanging in your thoughts. You're going to leave here in a little while. Some of you are going to go to grocery stores and, and, uh, and just driving down the highway and you're going to see something else. You know, squirrel. And then that choice is gone, right? So do something with it now. And then a friend, life group member, myself, somebody can check in with you a few weeks later and say, how are you doing on that commitment, that choice you've made? Don't leave it in your brain. Let it out. Do something with it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you met us, you meet us right where we're at. That you don't have preconditions for us to come and and see you. You come and seek us out and find us right where we're at. And you initiate a faith in our lives. God, thank you so much for that. But Lord, you don't want to leave us there. Where we're at is so great, we wouldn't need you. But we do need you. And you've got hope and incentives to live a life of a thriving and passionate, enduring relationship with you. And so God, thank you that you are also perfecting our faith. You are growing us and guiding us. Help us, Lord, through the portion that we are involved in that to take steps and choices to preserve and to persevere in the faith that you have called us to help us lord to act on that now i pray in jesus name amen well as i said uh earlier uh we're going to take this opportunity to also commit as we did in the new wave with our building commitments and the finances uh, to a building plan we're also asking you to commit to an area of service in serving communities And I hope that you can see through the course of the message as well, and through what we've been talking actually all month long, that serving is one of those steps to perseverance. Serving others is one of those things, and becoming like Jesus. It's one of the things that mark us as a follower of Christ, and he's calling each one of us to follow him. Now again, uh, most of you, a lot of you are already serving, but I still ask that you would fill out the card and, and identify what serving community your serving teams are part of. Uh, uh, but then everybody else, if you've yet to find that place, it's that baby step. We're not asking you to commit to a every week, three hours a week. We're asking you to join a serving community where your heart leans towards, where you're willing to pray for. And maybe once or twice a year is called upon, you'll do some, some event with it. And then in time, as you discover that, you can take the next step. And that might be a team that has a little bit more more time involvement. We're not asking you to sign up and volunteer time. We're asking you to commit your heart to follow Jesus in serving our world. And so we encourage you to do that. Now, as we do that, often when we take these sorts of commitment steps and we have these calls to come forward and bring commitment cards in, often the music is just sort of reflective. Not today. Today is celebratory because you're not giving your resources. You're giving you you're giving you your talents and your treasure and your time and to serve the world and i think we should end that with a raucous celebration and the worship team is going to lead us in a song wonderfully titled hold nothing back just give it all and so fill out your cards as the song is going on bring those cards up here to the baskets and then return back to your seat we're going to have yet another song after that before we end our time this morning thank you for being here. And let's just take a moment to pray about our commitment. God, thank you so much for the privilege to, to have you say, come follow me. What a, what a humbling, beautiful thing that you are seeing each one of us and saying, follow me. And follow me means, means things with making choices to live a godly life, to, to share our faith with others, to be in community, but it also is part of serving and sharing you with the world around us to serve our community in community. And so, Lord, as we take that step of commitment this morning, um, I just pray that you will help us to take that baby step or just dive right in. Whatever our personalities and our skill sets and our passion and what you're leading us to requires and calls us to. But, Lord, let us hear you and and respond. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's worship and, and honor him. Thank you again for being here.